For me, when you talk about a team coming up from the middle or below to contending status, I look at the White Sox. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome in Sox on Tap. I'm Johnny Nani, joined tonight by Tony Marchese. Tony, start me up. Let's go. Baseball is almost here. Crack them to that. Absolutely crack them to that, Johnny. Hey, remember last year around this time when we were in Lot B after a White Sox winner? It was me, you, Kinsler, Buzz, and we did a little dance to start me up. That's the kind of feeling I have tonight, even though the oh, yeah. White Sox didn't it's, win right now. We are that close to White we, Sox baseball, so start me up, Johnny. We have Windows 98 energy going on here tonight, Tony, because baseball is literally right around the corner. Um, as we're recording this late, actually, just turned uh, Thursday, July 23rd now, as we're jumping we're, on the call at midnight here. We're, burning one, the midnight we're one day oil. away, Johnny. One day away. We are one day away uh, from White Sox baseball officially. So, Tony, it feels good. I'm so ready to have baseball back. I'm so ready to have sports back, some sort of normalcy. These exhibition games have been great um, just because it feels normal. Uh, And I'm going to overuse that word. But, man, after all the craziness that 2020 has brought about, um, I couldn't be happier to finally get meaningful baseball back in my life. I am right there with you, Johnny. I, and I just have to start this episode out with a question. How has Sunday through today been for you with White Sox baseball back on television? Oh, it's been great. I, I mean, I'm doing my normal thing. I'm, I'm clipping GIFs. Uh, I got the StatCast pulled up. I've got MLB TV with four panels pulled back up, watching random. I was watching Inner Squad. I think of the Mariners playing the Mariners last night. Uh, it's been excellent. And then, obviously, with the White Sox exhibition games that we've had uh, going on, I was over with you. Got taken that first one. Nice win over the Cubs. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit more. And then uh, the other ones, uh, watch with another buddy who's a Cubs fan, so it was nice uh, on Monday night. Uh, rub it in his face a little bit. And then tonight, obviously, we got a weird one. But, hey, uh, it was good to see Carlos Rodon back on the bump. It absolutely was, Johnny. And, and just like you, man, I have been trying to consume as much baseball as I possibly can. Um, albeit, I haven't had the opportunity to get the uh, the MLB streams up there the way you have. But just with White Sox baseball back in my life, you know I'm rocking it out in the garage, um, watching every single pitch and consuming and Hashtag cracking them a lot of beers uh, during these games that have been played. And um, like you said, we'll get into some of the the recap stuff, but it's really good to be back on a mic, Johnny, and just talking about some actual baseball that's been played. I know we've got some news to get to, so I'm going to let you get to that right now. But man, this is a good feeling. Yeah, it is a good feeling, and things are going to start to feel even more normal. There's that word again, Tony, uh, as soon as we start our daily postgame shows. Uh, and these are going to be you know, condensed. They're going to be really close together um, with just the 60-game season, the way it's laid out. So I couldn't be more excited. But like you had said, uh, we got a ton of news and 
ton of fun stuff too. I think the fun yes. stuff might be longer than the news here. So this is great. Uh, we're returning normalcy to socks on tap. Let's start with the news as we always do here. Uh, first one on the White Sox front, Nomar Mazzara this morning placed on the 10 day injured list. Our guy Buzz jumped right on that, had the article up. So make sure you're following at on tap sports and on Twitter. You'll find that out first. All right. Anyway, um, placed on the 10 day injured list had not been playing in exhibition games here. Um, I just had to bring this up. I put this, you can see it as a first bullet point in the notes here, but for the listeners, um, of course, uh, as that news broke with Mazzara, shortly after Mookie Betts, those rumors came out and it became official. Signed a 12-year mega deal um, with the Dodgers today. So there goes the hopes of potentially signing him uh, in the offseason. Like, are we getting like are we getting at hope? So I just wanted to just lay it out there, Tony, because here we have another that's a White Sox scenario, whether it's out of our control or not. I'm, I was going to ask you, do we get a chance to react to this right here? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, that's why I put it in there. All right, perfect. Because I, I just want to, I, I have some thoughts on this one. And as we go through this, I feel like we've we've had this exact same scenario play out in front of us numerous times. And I know you and I did that whole Manny Machado breakdown show. Um, and we oh, share boy. some <laughs> of the same sentiments yeah. on the White Sox passing up on premium free agent talent. Has it become tiresome to you yet, Johnny, that this has become the norm where we pass on what well, we didn't pass on Manny Machado. We made an offer for him. Then we started to pass on some other guys and there's this whole, we're going to spend the money when the money is ready to be spent thing. Yes. We've locked down some of our, core guys so to speak but it seems like the industry trend right now is locking up your talent and the Dodgers trade for Mookie Bats and then go lock him down before he's ever played a game in their in their uniform and we've seen this with with countless players I mean Mike Trout uh you know uh who was the other one Rendon got a long deal like oh, there's all these premium talent free agents that have gone elsewhere and locked down these long contracts and the White Sox yes I do give them credit for signing Yasmani Grandal but that's a four-year deal and it didn't cross a hundred million dollars is there still a stigma around the White Sox and it has it become tiring yet for you to see this in the industry of ba- of Major League Baseball where any of these premium talents, Nolan Arenado is another one. That's the name I was searching for. Get locked down and not even hit free agency, and not even give the White Sox a chance to spend the money on them. And I'm going to take the angle from this as: Were the White Sox waiting around for one of these names to hit the market, and were they actually going to go and spend on them, or do you feel that even if they were to go spend the money on them, are are you frustrated that the other teams have locked them down before they got to free agency? Or did you expect this to happen? Um, well, someone like Mookie Betts, uh, I mean, you're, you're talking about guys because his contract then uh, with the length and the uh, dollar amount actually toppled over Mike Trout's, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I kind of when you're talking about that case specifically, I, I 
probably, uh, most likely, the White Sox wouldn't have uh, closed a deal on that. They probably would have made an offer if Mookie Betts were to have hit free agency after this season. They probably would have made an offer, and then uh, when it was out of their price range, just um, adios, you know, to someone else will get them. It probably would have been someone like the Dodgers, uh, someone uh, of that yep. caliber, the Yankees, so to say. Anyway, um, so yeah, it, it, getting back to a couple of your questions here, yeah, it's frustrating because um, you, you get these as soon as we, you know, miss on one, say Manny Machado, I'm going to call that a miss because that was um, the, the backup plans start rolling. And it's OK, well, that's what you get people on Twitter defending it. That's OK. We can spend future. These guys are available to become free agents. Remember that Nomar Mazzara. Or excuse me, not Nomar Mazar, that name is on my mind. That's what brought this up. Um, but uh, Nolan Arnato, that's who, the, that name that you were searching for as well. I was just searching for there too. But that, remember, that was the third base after uh, Machado was yep. done. And then that was locked up off the table. How many of these right field guys uh, that, you know, because I, I refuse to acknowledge, you know me, I refuse to acknowledge Nomar Mazar as a legitimate uh, option um, in right field beyond this year. And, um, how is Brantley is Springer or any of those guys that you want to go after and get locked up. Uh, you already saw Ozuna who was supposed to be on a plane to Chicago to come sign and sign with the Braves this off season. Uh, we didn't get Nick Castellanos. I uh, don't know how much of a push there was for that, but um, yeah, it, frustrating. Definitely. Tony, do, do you think that the front office was banking on these guys to hit free agency or do you feel well, like the White Sox have their core right now locked down and they're going to supplement with, I don't want to call guys like Yasmani Grandal subpar, Johnny, because I think that you've got talent there. And Dallas Keuchel, there's talent there. They may not be premier free agents, but do you think that the White Sox approach to this when they went into this rebuild, they knew that they were not going to compete for $380 million contracts for guys like Mookie Betts. Yeah, very well. I think that's definitely a possibility, especially when you look at the team's past of spending. I think that just tells a story right there. Um, there's no question about it. But I would differ with you, and I would say, yes, Monty Grandal is a premier free agent. No, I, th- I think if you've got a player of his caliber, there there's your premier free agent. When you're talking in, in White Sox realm, I think that that's all, like almost above and beyond. But I guess what I'm trying to to kind of angle towards is, are they done? Is is this the roster that you think that Rick Hahn, Kenny Williams, Jerry Reinsdorf is ready to ride into competition? I, I guess is where I'm going with this. Is is this it? Is there going to be a superstar that comes on and joins this this group of guys or do you think that they are just ready to be in the let's supplement what we have um i I would say they they are in the this exact roster i mean everything's going to change very slightly from year to year but i mean obviously you talked about those core guys getting locked down so that was part of the plan but i do think they will supplement but it probably will be for that lower class than premier talent uh we were talking about the market because it's either no one really impresses you and then you sign him um, that could be an option if if that happens this season, um, or it's you got to go out and fill that hole in right field again because it's another you know gaping hole on the roster. So um, I think it will be more supplementary uh, when you're talking about that uh, tier just below the uh, premier free agent, so to say. 
uh, I think that would be the route that they're going there. But I mean, for the most part, the core. Yeah, I think that's kind of the team that they want to ride in with uh, a couple additional pieces uh, bring, you know, uh, brought on in the offseason coming up next year and years beyond that. So that's where I'm at with this, too. And I saw a lot of reaction to this, just like when I've seen every single other potential free agent or free agent get locked up. And we're both very um, in tune with what's going on on Sox Twitter, Johnny. Um, Every time a free agent signs an extension or a potential free agent signs an extension or a free agent gets locked up, do we have the right to be mad or should we kind of angle our, our kind of uh, focus on the fact that, you know, we do have Luis Robert locked up, Eloy Jimenez locked up, Yohan Moncada signed an extension. We have our core. And that's really what I'm trying to dig into because I've, I've asked myself this question about a thousand times today. Like, should I be disappointed that we didn't go out and grab an already developed talent and sign him for, $200 $200 million. I feel like I'm struggling with that. So I'm hoping yeah, you can so, help me through that. So I think it, it depends on the timing, Tony. That's the biggest thing for me. If it's the free market, I think we have every right uh, to be upset, especially with the team's history of spending on the free agent market. So if this was off season this next year, say Mookie Betts didn't sign this deal and they just, you know, chicken shit out of it. That's where you definitely have a right to. But at this, you know, if you if you're talking about, oh, you wanted to bring in this guy, well, you would have had to give up pieces to acquire him. Good pieces, obviously, because uh, I know the Red Sox were in a bit of a luxury tax uh, threshold area where they wanted to get rid of uh, that contract and they knew they weren't going to be able to sign them beyond that. Um, but you still, uh, either way, you, you still would have to give up pieces. And I'm not, you know, obviously we can, you build up the farms, you can trade from it. But at the same time, at the point where the White Sox were, that's why timing is so big. When I talk about timing in free market, uh, free agency, then, yeah, it's more, uh, I would say, justified to be angry about this as a White Sox fan. But in this scenario, I mean, the Dodgers, they did go out and they traded. Who did they send? I mean, Alex Verdugo was a pretty solid. Yeah, Ver- Verdugo is not a slouch. Yeah. So um, in this scenario, no, I'm not going to sit here and be mad about it. And as I say that, we've already talked about this for like, you know, seven, eight minutes here. But um, I'm not going to sit here and be mad about it. But it's just the I think it's the precedent um, that, mm-hmm. that, that there needs to be a little more aggression now, That especially since everyone's thinking that this could be the opening of the contention window, whereas we didn't know for sure before. No, I agree with you. I just wanted to get to the point where we kind of established this because there's so much anger on White Sox Twitter every single time somebody who is under contractual control by a team signs yep. an extension. I, I know what you mean. I just want to butt in. I didn't mean to cut off your point, but I think that's um, people using those as backup plans and it's the fallback as soon as like, oh, okay, well, we'll just go and get them this next guy that's next best available. Well, you don't know what his availability will become. That exactly. Awesome. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's where, I'm like, you know, I see Mookie Betts sign this extension today, and I'm like, good for him. I never, as a White Sox fan, thought that that was going to be the plan. Yeah, you see it floated out there on Twitter by a bunch of different people. Like, okay, it's fine we didn't sign Machado because we have money to go get Mookie Betts next year. There's no guarantee there. And that's kind of where I'm like, should I be mad about this? Should I I get really up in arms and, and... go on twitter.com and be really angry that the White Sox 
don't have the chance to get Mookie bats. That's... No, I, I'm still I'm still bitter about Manny Machado because that was that was literally in never, your in your glove. Kind of like the being bitter about that. <laughs> it, I mean, a perfect analogy of the Manny Machado deal is what happened to Luis Robert today, where you have a ball in your glove and the glove falls over the fence. And fucking, it turns into a home run. That's what the yeah. White Sox had with Manny Machado. Yeah. Yeah. They had the ball right. in their glove, and it fell over the fence to somebody else. That I'm pissed off about. I'm not pissed off about Nolan Arnato or Mookie Betts signing an extension. The team they're already with. With the team that they're already with. So I think it's a little, I, I, I feel like it's, it's yeah. easy pickings for people to be like, oh, well, right. look, you, you didn't spend the money, so now all of a sudden this guy's off the table. So fuck you, White Sox. But I really feel like the, the the this all goes back to the debacle with Manny Machado because that was your guy. You yeah. had him literally cornered, ready to sign a deal, and that slipped through. Sorry I rambled on about this. I know we've got a lot of other stuff to get to, but I, I, I really feel like the whole, well, you know, let's go after Jerry Reinsdorf because – Mookie Betts was negotiating in a one-on-one conversation with the Dodgers and his agent. So, you know, screw you White Sox. And no, go back yeah, I would, and, and just use that as a point because I think that there's some misdirected anger towards yeah. things that happen there. And that's yeah, all I'm trying to get to. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. The only thing that I would do is just uh, take it with a grain of salt. Whenever you see the next person mention uh, George Springer or Michael Brantley or any of the other Correct. outfield options, just take it with a grain of salt because George, George Springer is a really good player uh, still in his prime. Um, Astros could very well lock him down this season, you know? Yeah. No, so that's, it, that's it, what I would say. Just that's a caution going forward then. And I think this all goes back to the point, like, we do have a lot of talent on this roster, and we're going to get into this more as we talk about you know what's happened so far this year. There are a lot of good players here. Maybe they're not enough to carry us to a World Series victory, but Johnny, I think there's a lot of talent here, and we have it locked down for a long period of time, a long enough period of time where we can make some noise. And, I mean, I don't want to sit here and try and carry water for Rick Hahn. I've never done that. But I think he's done a very good job of locking up his talent so we don't have to yeah, you're, be in a position yeah, you're, where you're avo- we have you're to shed a Mookie like, Betts. We yeah. don't have to be in that position to shed a Mookie Betts and all of a sudden somebody yeah. else locks that type of player up. And I feel like we have multiple guys on this roster that can do that type of stuff. Yeah, and then also the other advantage to uh, locking these guys up while they're young is uh, you're avoiding a situation when you look across town. Um, they have a lot of decisions to make and guys are going to be due big money yep. coming up. So let's get, avoiding let's get that, at least pushing that down the road. So we'll leave it at that. Um, let's hope get you enjoy our last bit of off season, basically here on socks on tap. Let's move into the game action. Actually tonight, uh, this all goes back to the Nomar Mazara thing. Uh, the reason that conversation was all brought up because Omar Mazara went on the IL same day that Mookie Betts, a, you know, potential target that people wanted, uh, he signed that, you know, big deal today. So in that place, though, Nomar Mazara, the original talking point here, um, with him being on the IL, someone's got to play right field for this year, 2020 Chicago White Sox. Nicky Delmonico was that guy tonight. He started in right versus Milwaukee. Um, he did hit a two-run home run uh, late in that game. But anyway, what will the White Sox do until Mazara is back is the question for you, Tony. I like what I've seen from Nicky Delmonico in early spring training till now, and I'm going to get a little gimmicky here. Nikki Flo Monaco 
in early spring training before COVID was ripping the shit out of the ball. I even wrote an article about it on ontapsportsnet.com. You can go check that out. Nikki Flo Monaco. Then all of a sudden we get to summer camp and I didn't see the same Nikki Delmonico that I saw in spring training. Well, because he cut his I, hair, obviously. Yeah, because, well, because he cut his hair. And you and I know, as hockey fans, Johnny, when you have the flow, you've got some fucking confidence, man. Like, you've, you're have you rocking some, I am. some solid flow right now, Johnny. I am. There's pictures that I posted on Twitter.com with you rocking that flow. And, Johnny, I'm just going to ask you as a flow guy, that help your confidence because if oh, I could throw that kind of flow, I would feel I would feel like I could do anything. Yeah, I can't no, no big time. I mean, you, it's uh, it, it, I don't know, it, it um, it's, it's a certain amount of swagger that it yes. adds to your whole demeanor. You yes, know? you've got that swagger, you've got that drip, you've got that flow. I don't know what happened to Nicky Delmonico during like the whole quarantine thing where he's like, all right, I got to cut my hair. Because like I mean like during that time like who what what do you got to do you got to go out to like some formal event no what what are you doing Nikki yeah like why are you cutting your hair that's my first question for Nikki Delmonico <laughs> and if you can't tell I've had a few beers tonight but that that's my first question for him and I saw some lack of confidence at the plate from Nikki Delmonico early on in summer camp just some of the inner squad games that we saw she's not making solid contact then tonight fucking hits a bomb. Um, something has just been different with him. And I know he went through that injury last year, got cut, re-signed, all that other stuff. But he, I, I feel like he is the most qualified. And this is nothing against Luray Garcia or Adam Engel. I mm-hmm. feel like Nicky Delmonico is the best hitter out of those guys. What he yeah. showed in his short stint, um, what was that, 2018-17, where he yeah, came up. and end of 17. Where, yeah, end of 17, where he came up, he was hot. He showed that he is able to hit at a at least average major league level in a very like sample size. But the fact that he was able to do that has been, I think, above at least an Adam Engel level of offense that you can provide. The oh, defense, yeah. the defense, I would take Engel over. Delmonico any day of the week, but if you're if you're starting a ball game, you want to put runs on the board. Delmonico's there all day. I know uh, James Fox tweeted something today about like Engel's going to be your starting right fielder. I I feel like there's so much opportunity for Adam Engel to be that pinch runner guy or your late inning defensive replacement for either whoever's playing right field or Eloy Jimenez in left, where you're doing yourself a disservice in lineup construction to start Adam Engel because you get a guy on second base in the 10th inning. Like I'm putting Adam Engel there. He's your fastest guy. Like he's on the bench, sub him in for whoever, if it's Jose Abreu and you're carrying Andrew Vaughn on your roster, like what, like what difference do you have there? Why are you starting Adam Engel in right field? And then taking him out later in the game, yeah. And his it, his his offensive approach is just absolutely putrid. I'm sorry, like mm-hmm. the guy can't hit his own fucking weight, and I I don't see that. So Delmonico to me is your obvious right fielder until Nomar Mazara is healthy. I I don't get that. And then Lure Garcia, like. I'm taking him over Danny Mendick starting second base, assuming that you're not starting Nick Madrigal to start the season 
at second base. And I think that that's kind of been proven so far with the way that they've handled these exhibition games, because if they planned on starting magical, he would have started there all three games. And that's, yeah. that's where I'm at. Like Delmonico is your obvious choice. Yeah. I mean, you kind of summed up all the points there. Uh, just real quick. You already going, you're going to have a crap defense at your corner outfield spots. If yeah. no more Mazar is your starting right fielder. Um, I, I haven't dug too deep into Nikki Delmonico defensive metrics, but I would imagine the range is probably a little bit better than no more Mazar. So you're not talking about a major upgrade there, but when you're talking about uh, most effective bats in the lineup, hundred uh, percent for all those reasons that you mentioned. Um, and then you can also use, we talked about this on our last episode. You Using guys to their max potential. Um, well, guess what? Adam Engel is already for how many plate appearances he's had um, over this rebuild period here. Uh, he's solidified and proven just by lack of production, I guess, that he is that leading defensive replacement, a pinch runner, a great speed guy. So mm-hmm. use your strengths where they are. And now what we were talking about, um, the Swiss Army knife flurry, we can throw him anywhere. If you really need him in right probably start a few games in right for you if you needed it. If Nicky Delmonico is not working out here and Nomar Mazar is still out. Um, and then you can throw Danny Menick in at second if you're not uh, having Nick Madrigal up, which is going to be a next point that we're going to get to. But, yeah, I'm with you. Nicky Delmonico is the option for me starting right fielder. I hope it's not Adam Angle because it feels like you're almost giving away an out. Um, like, you know, I like to – we're on different ends of the spectrum here. We can agree with giving away outs not a good thing. Um, it's essentially like that uh, having a pitcher hitting mm-hmm. uh, National League style. So um, let's move on from this, Tony. We've got so much more to get to here. Yes, we do. Um, you had, uh, we're, we're going to jump topics down one here uh, before we get to um, the general MLB news, but uh, it brought us to our next point here uh, by what you said. Madrigal not in the starting lineup tonight versus Milwaukee. He only started that game Monday night versus the Cubs of the three exhibition games. So first question is why? And then second of all, then if that's the case, like you had said, they would have started him all three games. You would have known you had been your starter. Um, doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So how long are we going to have to watch a Lurie-Mendick combination there at second four? I mean, I feel like this is, it, it's partially that so, hashtag that so White Sox. And on, on top of that, I feel like it's a, you need to earn your spot uh, type mentality that they have. The reason I say that's so White Sox, it, it kind of falls into the the bucket of you need to earn your spot, but it's check also that so, yeah, you need to check the boxes. That's exactly what I was going to get to here. The White Sox so far during this rebuild have not handed any prospect a starting role for anything. And I feel like in, in some regards, that's admirable. But in other regards, it's. Are you really playing your best nine then? Are you? Yes, exactly. Are you really playing your best nine? Because you can make arguments that Luis Robert last year was way better than any other outfielder that they had. You can make arguments when Yohan Moncada was sitting down in triple A that he could have played any of the nine positions on the team and been better than anybody else the White Sox have, have taken a hard stance. And, and I think this comes from Rick Hahn, that they are not going to move a player into a starting role on this ball club until they have completely proven and exhausted all of White Sox, Twitter, all of the media, everybody, even MLB.com until you've exhausted the point where they're like, <laughs> why is this guy not starting for your team right now? 
that's when they feel comfortable putting this guy in. And I don't think that Nick Madrigal has hit that point yet where enough people are sitting there questioning why the fuck this guy is not starting for your team to put him in. And I, I, I feel like that does a few things to the ball club. Number one, it gives guys like Lure Garcia and Danny Mendick, who've been around a little longer than Nick Madrigal, the benefit of the doubt to be like, hey, you've earned your keep. You've done this, so let's give you this chance. But you brought up a good point. Are you playing your best starting nine? And my answer to that is a flat-out no. Mm-hmm. I said it on the last show. Like, if if I'm making this lineup right now, and I've given Nick Madrigal a ton of shit on Twitter, on this show specifically, about I don't agree with the draft pick. I don't agree with the fact that he's not a power guy. And yes, this lineup has enough power to supplement around a guy like Nick Madrigal, and I think he makes this lineup better. If I go back to my playing days, I I played more to the style of Nick Madrigal than I did to a Luis Robert. That's for damn sure. And I love that type of player. However, if I can have a second baseman that's going to hit 15 home runs, bat 280, and maybe steal a few bases, I'm going to take that guy over a guy who's going to hit 300 zero home runs and, I don't know, maybe steal the same amount of few bases just for the fact that this guy's going to drive in runs. And I feel like that's important. However, I do, as a baseball fan, know it is important to have a guy on base when Jose Abreu comes up and hits a hits a home run, or when Luis Robert or Eloy Jimenez, any of these guys come up to bat, there's a guy on base. So I feel like there is value there. I absolutely do think that Nick Madrigal can be an effective major league player. However, I still have those questions. Now, when I look up this look at this lineup as it stands today, am I going to put Nick Madrigal in? Or am I going to put Lure Garcia or Danny Mendick in? And I'm taking Nick Madrigal 100 times out of 100 just for the, the pure fact that you're talking about a guy who's drafted, drafted in the top five of an MLB draft. That guy has talent. We know that. I think you and I can agree on that. And I think that the skills that he brings to the table as far as getting on base, not striking out, being a contact hitter, supplemented with his defensive ability at that position that he's been playing for a while. You're talking about a guy that played shorts, some shortstop in college. Like he's going to be able to handle the position well enough that earns him that spot in the order. Why am I throwing a potential quadruple a player in there just to save face with said quadruple a player in order to get us to a point where, the media, the fans, everybody's screaming just to get this guy in the lineup and see what happens. And that's kind of why I'm like, why not start him? Why not put your best option in the lineup right now? If this is going to be your long-term third or second baseman for the next five years, why not give him that opportunity right out of the gate to do this is Danny Mendick really going to show so much in five to 10 games of a 60 game season where the White Sox front office is going to be like, Holy shit. Danny Mendick's our guy. All of a sudden Nick Madrigal is expendable to us. I don't think that's going to happen. Johnny, do you? 
No, it's not going to happen. So, I mean, and you're the biggest Lurie Garcia stan in the in the entire universe. Mm-hmm. Do you think Lurie Garcia yeah. is going to show something in 10 to 15 no. games that's going to make him the starter for the next five years? Yeah, no, you already no. know what you got. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you you know what you have with these guys. These are bench players. You've got a guy who's supposed to be a starting second baseman in the major leagues on your roster right now, and you're choosing not to start him. That's hashtag so White Sox. <laughs> the mentality there is broken. How long are we going to see this? 10 to 15 games in a 162-game season? I'd probably give you about 40, 45 games before they make that move. But, like, why are we doing this to save face, Johnny? That's the question I have. Yeah, and, like, the last show, I can't answer that. Um, I'll just go back to what I said there. As you had mentioned, um, I'm the biggest Larry Garcia fan uh, of anyone, and even I know that he's best served as your Swiss Army Knife guy. Uh, You know, plug him in as needed, and then he's also a – defensive replacement for whoever comes out uh, and you can put them pretty much anywhere on the diamond. Um, so uh, I'm with you. I, I want to see Nick Madrigal start. And we were talking about this on the last episode. Um, he should be by all accounts, but I told you it's probably not going to happen. And here we are. Um, as we got through the exhibition games, you had said, we said, okay, let's see how he fares in these. Well, he got limited action. He was a defensive sub and or used a sub in, in two of them. And, and then he started the one of them. Uh, the sandwich one, uh, the one that was in between. So um, we know what we got, and it sucks. I can't answer that question. Uh, you're you're asking why. I think we were asking why last week as well. Um, that's just the way it is, and that's the way it's going to be. Um, and I, I agree that it should be a shift, and you should just go out and play your best nine. Um, but that's the way it is and us talking about it and bickering and bantering and bitching here on the podcast isn't going to change it. So that's just what we're looking at here. So I hope they figure it out sooner rather than later. Uh, and it's, you know, a revelation that, okay, yeah, we absolutely need this, you know, on base was such a big hole last year. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem that fucking hard though. Like if you and I are sitting here talking about this, like, why is it so hard for them? Like, is there some sort of like, I think there's some sort of I think there is a little bit of seniority. So one of the points that you started on a little bit earlier, I I think there is when you're talking about within a clubhouse, within an organization. How long have you been here? Um, But I I legitimately do think that plays a factor into it. Um, Larry Garcia is a you know, he's been around for like what this is going to be his ninth MLB season, I think, between the Rangers and the White Sox. And he's been here for what, six of them at least. Yeah. and then Danny Mendick got his call last year and just got the cup of coffee in September. Um, and it sucks. I agree that Nick Madrigal, oh. when you're talking about talent wise, non base wise, uh, yeah, should be there. But it, when you're, I'm, I'm just listing off options of why this could possibly be there. You're I'll, asking me, I'll, like, I'll, throw, I, I'll throw one more in there. I'll throw one more in there. Do you think when you negotiate a deal with, you know, Danny Mendick's agent or Lurie Garcia's agent, is it like worked in there like, Hey, my client's going to get X amount of starts before you move on to the next guy to try and prove himself. Like, does it go that deep in your Mm. mind? Could that possibly be a thing? Like, Hey, I know you guys just drafted this guy. Number four overall. If, 
if Lure Garcia is going to re-up in ARB or whatever, like, can we get him 10 starts before you go to this guy just to prove himself? Yeah, I don't know. I, I wish I could be a fly on the wall at those. So, I mean, I don't have an answer for you. These are questions that you should take up with Rickon and the agents. <laughs> I mean, hey, open <laughs> invitation for Rickon to come on here and and answer those. I, I know we wouldn't get the answer that we're looking for. However, I just feel like there there has to be something within the organization because we've seen this for a while now. You know, like, why is I, so-and-so starting over? You know, Jose Rondon. Why is Jose yeah, Rondon yeah. starting at shortstop in a fucking game when you've got Yoan Moncada in your minor league system where you could yeah. shift the infield around yeah. and, and get to this point? So it's a precedent, right, where, where things have been set. You know, you talk about how long and people were clamoring for those guys to come up earlier than they were actually called up. Um, Eloy at the end of 2018. uh Robert at the end of last year. Well, think about a regular whole 162 game season. How long would it be until Nick Madrill actually came up this year? Oh, I think if we had a no. whole 162 game season this year, we would not see Nick Madrigal until around August or September call-ups for that matter. Yeah. I mean, cause when you think about it, well, he's a 2018 draft pick, correct? Yeah. Yeah. 2018. So you're draft thinking pick. about where he's moving along there. He probably would have started this year at Birmingham where it kind of is a dead ball sort of uh, place well, there. Didn't, didn't he get, he, I, th- I think he played some triple a game. So he would have been split somewhere between double a triple a, but I mean, they, they've, they let Eloy rot in triple a and then not get the September call up, you know? So like there, there's a chance that you do that with him too. And I even take this a step further and go look at Andrew Vaughn. Like, how long would it have taken him to hit oh, triple A? Yeah. That, that's another and, one. Too. And then, he's more, and then you he's see him. Yeah. Then you see him be able to rope singles off of a guy like Lucas Giolito in inter squad games, and it's like, okay, this guy can hit major league pitching. You're not talking about hitting singles off of Kelvin Herrera or Carson Fulmer. You're talking about ripping singles off of a guy that arguably, for a short stint last year, was the top pitcher in the AL Central if not the American League, and yet that guy this year, if you had minor league baseball, probably would have started maybe at double A. Yeah. So the, de- the, the development train and, you know, and develop- then we, we can take that a step the, further. Do, we can take do that the White Sox further, have the John? worst player development in the league? We, I'll answer that right now. Exact, yes, they exactly. That's where I'm going with this. Would... Would the, that extra time in the minor leagues actually screw a guy like Andrew Vaughn or Nick Madrigal up oh, I, by I the time they make it to the major leagues? Holy shit, they, that's they so just, White Sox. They were just lucky that Eloy's hit tool is just so ungodly. Luis Roberts literally, you know, the specimen. Like, you designed in a, designed him in a lab. And Yohan Mancata was just, you know, he's got that naturally sweet swing. Can we, um, yeah. can we move on? Thinks, can we move on before all of a sudden like this becomes like a fucking you know like the White Sox minor league system gonna, organization yeah, is just gonna, bullshit? Like let's move on. Let's Chris get to positive. Come knocking at my door tomorrow morning early, the SWAT team. So 
Yeah, that's the way that goes. So you know my feelings on that, but that can be saved for a Sunday Funday topic. Yeah, we got a ton of shit to talk about here, Tony. Uh, other takeaways from exhibition games here. We're gonna roll through these a little bit quicker since we spent so much time at the front end of this. Uh, Rodon tonight um, looked pretty good. Uh, I know he did get uh, touched for three runs, only two of them earned, but he threw five, uh, let up five hits, only one walk, but struck out seven. Uh, two of uh, those hits, two of those five were home runs. Um, another takeaway for me, I put it in here. Like I just said, Luis Robert is a physical specimen. Uh, you see him all over the diamond, and he did get a double rope one down the line today. And then overall, uh, we're talking overall on exhibition games. Fuck the Cubs. It's always good to beat him. I don't care if it's spring training, summer camp, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, I was glad we took both of them from them. So uh, hit me your, with your takeaways quick. Um, don't go on a rant. And we will continue this. I'm going to try not to rant on this. Real quick thoughts. Number one, the fact that the White Sox have been able to get to starting pitching, especially against the Cubs, early, drive pitch counts up. That's very impressive to me. I love the fact that you got you Darvish to the point where you have to call a slaughter rule in the, what was that, the first inning? Yeah. Um, Hit and pitch count so limits or whatever. Sweet. They hit the grand slam too. Just, yes, yes, that was, that was, yes. Great. The Eli grand slam was fantastic, but the fact that you got Hendricks and Darvish, which I think are the the, the Cubs' two best pitchers in the rotation, um, hands down, uh, to have to work. I think that's a really good thing for this team. You get two out of three starting pitchers in a series to work that hard that you're in the bullpen by the sixth inning. And I know these are exhibition games. There's there's pitch counts and limits, but you're talking about guys that are going into the 60s, 70s, um, you know, in the fifth, sixth. That shows you that you're taking pitchers deep into at-bats. You're getting enough hits to make these guys work, and then you can get to bullpens. And, and we know right now that the bullpens – Outside of Milwaukee, because you have Josh Hader there, there's there's a little bit of a, a different thing. But getting to bullpens early is going to set the tone for a series. And if we break this 60-game sprint down into uh, you know series by series, and this is the same if it was a 162-game season, but I feel like with, with the shortened season, it's more prominent. If you can make these guys work, to the point where the White Sox lineup did in the two-game set with the Cubs, you're going to take two of three. And you're taking two of three from every series. That's how you set yourself up for a lot of success. I loved what I saw from them. I love the fact that even though in both of those games they only showed one inning of really prominent offense, you know with the White Sox lineup, that's just – you know, like in any given inning, they can do that to a pitcher. That in and of itself is a recipe for success. And yeah. I, I I really, really, really got excited about what we're about to see from this team, not only this year, but in the coming years, because you're going to have the same core. The way this lineup is constructed, it's going to do that to opposing pitchers. That's number one. Number two. Uh, that was only fact, number one. Holy fuck. I told you not to rant. The f- yeah, that was only number one. Uh, number two, uh, taking two out of three in your exhibition series. I'm 
100% fine with that. I don't understand how they didn't give the Sox a bottom of the ninth tonight because I feel like maybe that could have been uh, the inning where they just go on a run. Um, obviously, their starting lineup wasn't in there, but holy shit, man, I think this offense is special. That's where I'm going to leave it. Yeah, I mean, those are the takeaways. Now, I'll reference an article that um, NWI Steve wrote for Um The White Sox had the fewest five or more run innings in 2019. And you see two big innings, um, that first inning on Monday, and then I believe it was the sixth inning on uh or was it the either the fifth or the sixth on Sunday night in the first exhibition game up at Wrigley? Um, but you, when you see those happen, um, and then you look at the guys that, that are contributing to that, yeah, we're going to have a lot more big innings this year, and that's excellent because mm-hmm. you know crooked numbers are cool and tough, Tony. Yes, they are. Crooked yeah. numbers are very cool and tough. Yeah, so I, I, I want to see more of that. And, yeah, you got a little taste of that. But um, hopefully that can sustain and that can be a trend. They don't go in cold patches. But with, just with the, like you had said, just ooing and eyeing at this line, lineup, um, some of the firepower that just hasn't been there in the past, um, it, there's danger. There's danger almost all throughout the order. So um, I, I do think that that will continue that sort of trend. So um, those are the biggest takeaways there. Uh, Let's talk pitching here real quick. Starting rotation right now. Obviously, Lucas Giolito is your opening day starter that has already been named. Dallas Keuchel will be number two. Um, From there, where do we go? Dylan Cease, Carlos Rodon, Ronaldo Lopez, Gio Gonzalez, your other names there. So hit me with some takes. Uh, Takes on this, number one, Lucas Giolito has earned his spot at number one. That's all I have to say about him. Dallas Keuchel has looked absolutely phenomenal in what I've seen from him so far in summer camp, uh, spring training, what have you. Obviously, you're talking about a former Cy Young winner. Uh, He knows what he's doing. I know he draws a lot of comparisons to Mark Burley. I don't want to continue that narrative. I want Dallas Keuchel to be Dallas Keuchel and set his own uh, legacy on the sell side. That's that's where I'm at with that. Uh, Dylan Cease is, to me, your lockdown number three guy. And if he becomes your number one, number two guy, I think you've got some really golden, 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 golden uh, fucking trade in this Eloy deal because that curveball man, just, I mean, oh, I, yeah. I, I've C-Sanders. never C-Sanders, seen anything like that uh, in that inner squad game uh, that Cease night, was yep. throwing. Yes, just dude. I mean, that was pure pitcher porn, in my opinion. Like yeah. the, the the just the way that he is able to snap that thing off is unlike anybody else. Um, so you're talking about a solid one, two, three there with Giolito, Keuchel, and Cease. Uh, Rodon looked okay today. I'm a little concerned about the two long balls. Uh, the Yelich home run that he hit tonight looked like it was just barely even touched and flew out of the stadium. But if you're pitching in Chicago in a hitter's park, uh, you're going to give those things up. Have some questions about him. However, Rodon, you know, working his way back from these injuries and, and everything else that he's had going on um, just in and of itself, he still has that stuff 
where I feel like he could be a number one, number two guy if he put everything together. I'm okay having him in the rotation. Gio Gonzalez is a proven vet. I, f- I feel like he's your number five. And I've said this for such a long time. Reynaldo Lopez would be an like an excellent, you know, seventh inning, maybe eighth inning guy to get through one up, two through the order. Um, I, I'm looking at the notes here. How long is the leash for a guy like Reynaldo Lopez? I've questioned his his not his dedication, but just his mental status and how he prepares himself um, to be a starter. I don't know where there's value there with Reynaldo Lopez right now because I feel like you've got five guys who are better than Reynaldo Lopez to be a starter. However, I feel like out of that group, his shit is just so raw right now. When Reynaldo Lopez is on, he can throw nine innings of no-hit baseball. I don't think anybody's going to question that. Can he put it together for that type of stretch? I don't know. But can he put it together for an inning or two? I think so. So he's my obvious choice to go into the bullpen late inning role. I think he would excel almost in a setup type role. Maybe a closer if he can figure it out. But I'm looking at what we have starting pitching wise. And this is this is minus Michael Kopak. I, th- I feel like Reynaldo's your odd man out. Let's hear what you have to say. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, one and two locked down, and no question about that. No need to elaborate. Dylan Cease, um, it will just uh, be about seeing how he gets through. You know, we we've been at multiple games, Tony, where he's gotten rocked early, and that was been an issue. But then again, yeah, I agree with Chuck Garfine what he said during the inter squad broadcast on Saturday night that that was the best I've seen Dylan Cease look. Uh, that was the best Chuck had seen. That was the best I've seen him look. That's probably the best all White Sox fans have seen him look. Um, Carlos Rodon, I love the balls on this guy, man. Mm-hmm. Um, you're talking about someone who wants to get back in and help contribute for his team. Um, that's what he has been working back from. Um, and he very well, I would slot him in at four. Um, I th- you know, the slider, we've always known. We've always known the slider. You know, back when, what was it, 2017, 16 even, or I guess 17, 18, he was your number one, no doubt. It was no question about it. Carlos Rodon's getting the ball opening day. Obviously, circumstances have changed with Tommy John. But um, that uh, I, I love the fight back. And tonight, I could live with that. Imagine if the White Sox had one of their big innings tonight. Uh, mm-hmm. Rodon only gives up three runs to earn, um, and the White Sox had put up a you know crooked number, a five spot on the board. Well, guess what? You're talking about probably a White Sox winner then, and Carlos Rodon getting that win. So, um, you know, it's a matter of circumstance there, uh, depending on how you want to look at it. Like you were saying, you're upset about the home runs, but, you know, shit's going to happen. So, um, anyway, on to the fifth, I think that's going to be a swing spot for sure. Um, I, I don't know how healthy Gio Gonzalez actually is. I know when he was back, for that one inner squad, he said he was working on off speed and stuff and still getting back. Well, that doesn't tell me he's totally tuned in and dialed into what it would be like to start. You probably want to get a practice start in before you really uh, go full force. And he didn't throw in these exhibition games against other squads. So um, I would say right now, I mean, yeah, swing it between Lopez uh, Gonzalez. Um, see who's right. And then Dane Dunning came in tonight. Um, it didn't look, you know, blow you away, but he didn't look terrible, so that could be another option there. Say one of those guys goes down, injury, COVID, 
whatever may have you in this ridiculous year that is 2020, um, Dane Dunning could be an option to fill in there. And, and it would be great to see because uh, we've been waiting for so long. And obviously the Tommy John is a long setback, but um, nice to see him back here. And I hope he is a, even if he's out of the bullpen, a nice contributing piece here for this pitching staff. So I think that's going to be a swing spot. And that's why I put Lopez slash Gonzalez in here. So I think that's just how it'll go. And it'll be hey. flavor, flavor of the week, flavor of the day, man. Hey, I'm happy that we have multiple options for our fifth starter. Yeah. Like, that's, that that's, should that's, be like, that's, that's excellent. It's not Hector Santiago. The, I'll, uh, I'll, dr- I'll yeah. drink to the, I'll drink to the fact that Irvin Santana, Ross, that yes. Weiler, uh, hey, don't talk shit about Ross. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. That, I was going to ask you that. I was going to ask you, do we get a Ross Datweiler start this year? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that all depends on it's up to Lopez and Gonzalez. I would say it really is up to those two guys. I mean, Ross looked good uh, against the Cubs the other night. Um, not going to take anything away from him. He's our guy. Uh, but I, I just think as a White Sox fan, it's good to have this question, like who's our fifth starter? Because both of these guys can contribute here versus what we were talking about last year. Like how do we fill out three, four and five in our rotation? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? So like we talk about white Sox problems, you're looking at, uh, a, a, he's not a rookie pitcher, but he's a couple years into the league has the talent and Reynaldo Lopez to be a starter and a veteran uh, who, in some organizations, could be a 3-4 guy, I think, in Gio Gonzalez if he's completely healthy, um, if not lockdown number five guy, to fill out the end of this rotation because mm-hmm. you have Giolito, Keichel, Cease, Rodon kind of there for you. This is a good problem to have, and I feel like that leads to success when you have that type of competition to uh for a uh, a few guys to stay in the rotation cuz you can you can see i'm sure Dylan sees like three four bad starts where he gets touched up in the first second inning and all of a sudden like puts it together for three four five like do you really want to start this guy all of a sudden he can fall out well now uh Lopez Gonzalez can kind of come in there step in pick that up and sees kind of falls to your number 5 guy However, you know that Dylan Cease has the stuff to be a number two if Dallas Keuchel is is yeah. floundering. You know, so I, I feel like these are good problems. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's very different from where we were a year ago talking about the patchwork that was there. All right, um, well, let's move on because I want to get predictions before we get into the fun stuff here. Um, it, the, just this, I want it's a tweet from John Heyman. Don't know if anything's going to come of this, but we want to read it out here because this is the latest that we've heard. Um, John Heyman tweeted at 4 43 PM central time today. Sources MLB and union are re-engaging on the possibility of expanded playoffs for this season it has to be done before first pitch. Uh, he said 25 hours from now that was at four. 43 so obviously first pitch being tomorrow night uh, with those two games kicking off the season but uh, he continued and said but there seems to be optimism hope was to go from 10 playoff teams to 16 so that's a massive jump here Tony kind of skews our season predictions if it uh, is um, if it were to get approved and signed through but I just don't see that being realistic coming through um, this close to before season starts um, especially given the way anything has been negotiated uh, between the MLB and the union uh, this uh, whole COVID time. 
So um, let's just keep it as your standard um, 10 teams like it has been, like it was supposed to be up until this tweet from John Heyman today. And season predictions overall, White Sox record, playoffs, yes or no, and then any accolades for our players. Oh, boy. All right, here we go. Um, first off, I just got to say there's a lot to unpack from John Heyman's tweet. So we can talk about 16 after. Let's yeah, go with let's, 10. We'll talk about 16 10. after. There's a lot to there's a lot to unpack from that. But if we're talking about where we stand right now with uh with the regular amount of playoff uh teams and and everything going, uh I think the record I, I want to be optimistic with this and say the Sox are going to win uh like, you know, 35 games. And I think Buzz uh our, our guy Buzz tweeted like the Sox are going to win 37. I, I'm really hesitant to make that jump just because, you know, it, it, it's really easy to get positive on this team after you beat the Cubs two games in a row. And I think that a lot of people saw those two games and are like, oh, yeah, this team's going to win 30, 37 to 40 games. I, don't, I, I really don't think that's going to happen. Um, you see the trouble with Milwaukee in a lineup that's got two really, you know, really good bats in uh Kristen Yelich and uh, what is it, Keston Hira? Um, they they had trouble with them today. And if you look at a Minnesota Twins lineup, which I think is far superior to a uh, Milwaukee Brewers lineup, you're facing the Twins far far more often time than you're going to face the Milwaukee Brewers. So I I, I feel like there are going to be stretches where we're talking about a four or five game losing streak, and over the course of a 60 game season a five game losing streak is pretty significant um i see this team winning around 32 33 games um and i say that because you know you're you're gonna have a an above 500 record but you're not going to be anything that's absolutely phenomenal so i'll put my i guess kind of cap at 32 and a half um i think this team should be able to beat teams like the Royals, the Tigers, uh, the Pirates, all uh, those guys that we should have no problem. However, my biggest fear with this is that the Sox play up to the teams like the Twins and play down to the teams like the Royals. Um, They've had a history of doing so. And so if you want to look last year, they went nine and 10 against the Royals. They did. However, I don't think I, I don't think you're going to get nine and ten against the Royals this year. I, I don't think you're going to be that close, but I still feel like there's enough where in a series where you should go three and zero against the Royals, you're going to get a one and one and two. So yeah, it, it's it's really hard for me to sit there and be like. Yes, they have enough of a winning mentality to get to the point where you're winning every series. If we see the offense we saw against the Cubs, we'll be there. However, you're going to have some flat times. 32 and a half, I feel like, is a good place to mark that. Um, I do expect a winning season. Is that going to be enough to get into the playoffs? Yes or no? The John Heyman tweet kind of skews things. I feel like we're going to be there in the hunt. I can't 
comment on whether or not I think they're going to get over that hump yet. This team is too inexperienced to have that type of, I guess, confidence going in and saying like, yeah, we can do this. Because I I feel like you look at that rotation, uh, you got Gilito, Cease, Rodon, Lopez, just those guys right there haven't had any sort of playoff experience or getting over the hump in a pennant chase or uh, just down the stretch. I know you've got Dallas Keuchel. I know you've got Gio Gonzalez. Those guys have been around the block a few times, but there's still so much rawness there. And then you go and look at the lineup. Uh, you know, Ilo Jimenez, Juan Mancata, uh, Jose Abreu. You name all the, 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 the stars. Tim Anderson. You name all those stars. They have not experienced that point where they got themselves over the hump to get into the the playoffs, where another team that that has done that, you look at the Minnesota Twins or the Cleveland Indians, they've been through that. And I feel like there's there's that point where you earn your keep, right? Like you and I as Blackhawks fans, you go back and you look at 2009. It's like you got there, but you didn't have the experience to make it all the way. That's where this team's at. Or the 2015 Cubs. Like, they they made it in the playoffs, but they didn't have the experience to get there. In a shorter season, the playoffs start now. So I, yep. I feel like they don't have they don't have that type of success to ride on. So you're going to see those struggles. You're going to see them fold under pressure because they haven't faced that kind of adversity. Up until now, it's just been we're in a rebuild. There's, there's no pressure. So I, I don't think that they're going to be able to answer the bell. Do they come up short? Maybe. Can they sneak in? Yes. Uh, any accolades. If Michael Kopech was pitching, I feel like we'd have some, some rookie of the year consideration for him. I think your best bet is Luis Robert for rookie of the year right now. Um, outside of that, I feel Yohan Moncada comes short of any MVP votes. He might be in the consideration if you get a full James year from him. Vote for him to be the lone vote. <laughs> yeah. Again. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't see really any accolades coming from this team outside of maybe if you get the same repeat year from Tim Anderson, you could see a batting title. But I I, I don't think he's a perennial, uh, you know, uh, 300 hitter. You know, I, yeah. I feel like you if, if you get a surprise, maybe. But I don't going to be a lot of accolades. Are these guys going to be good? Yes. But are they going to be stars in the league? I don't know. Yeah, not that's not something that earn, you can bank not on. Top to earn the award. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. So uh, running through mine real quick here, um, kind of a spitting image a little bit, um, but I'll give more definitive here. Um, White Sox will finish 33 and 27. No, they will not make the playoffs. They'll be in the hunt down until about the last week, but they will fall short. There is just too much um, with the A's, the Rays, um, uh, other teams that are more equipped to go and take the reins on one of those spots in the wild card than the White Sox are right now. Um, I don't think Dallas Keuchel and Edwin Encarnacion and Gio Gonzalez alone um, help put you over that hump. You say Jose Abreu is a veteran. Well, he hadn't been there before. Um, that's where I put him at that. No, they will fall just short of that. But they will be in the hunt till the end, which will be new for us. It's been pretty much we're out of it. 
uh, after the all-star break lately. Um, any accolades? Yeah, I, I will. I'll get high on this one. Um, uh, Luis Robert, rookie of the year, American League. Um, he's a freak show. The he, he, You know, we've talked about White Sox player development being trash. If there's anything that can overcome that, um, well, guess what? It's extreme physical gifts, and that's what Luis Robert has. We've seen it on display in inner squads. We've seen it on display in exhibition games. Um, I, I think that, you know, I, I'm looking around thinking else who else is coming up yeah in the national league gavin lux uh for sure um but in the american league i can't really pinpoint anyone else um who will make the type of impact on their team like Luis robert will on the white Sox. so i will say Luis robert rookie of the year um that i guess will be the consolation for not making the playoffs um tony we we just if they do it, it, so this is as 10 teams going back to that Heyman tweet that we referenced before 16 teams, absolutely they're in. I told you they're right there on the doorstep uh, with 10. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, they're absolutely in if it goes to 16, man. Um, we're actually sitting pretty. You're probably a little bit higher seed um, by my by my counts there. But, I mean, I guess the record probably has bumped up a little bit. But um, that's just kind of where I see things sitting. Um, those are just my predictions. Uh, I'm not trying to go too deep into this, but um, if it does go to 16 teams, just – uh, quick thoughts on how that would change the landscape of the postseason. I think with 16 teams, you've got a White Sox team that's that's young and dumb enough to make a run. And I say young and dumb enough because you look at the Cubs in 2015, they were young and dumb enough to make their way to the NLCS because you didn't have... I, I Almost feel like, like no pressure. I feel like yes, that's it. There's no pressure for them. They're not playing under that microscope of like, here's your second hitter. He hits 300. He's going to do this. So here we go. And then when you fall short, all of a sudden it's like you get in your own head. If if the White Sox can make the playoffs this year, and this is regardless of a 10-team format versus a 16-team format, I feel like they are young and dumb enough to make some noise because in the playoffs, it's a different ball game. It's about the team that's loose. It's about the team that's going to have fun and play the game the way that they've been playing it all year. And I feel like the White Sox are in a good position, regardless of however many teams are in, to go into the first series and win that regardless of who they're up against. But you put 16 teams in this, the Sox are going to be in the thick of it. There's no way that they're not. I, yeah. I don't think that this roster I think is I think kind of a given here. It's yeah. Like fringe for I, 10, but given for 16. Yes. I really, I do. could see them finishing 11 to 13 somewhere in there and you get them into the playoffs and they will be the type of team that can make some noise. They remind me a lot of your your early 2010s Hawks teams where there's such a bond within the clubhouse. There's such a bond within these guys. They want to play. They want to have fun. They're going to be your guys who are out there. Just They're, they're a bunch of young dudes who, who just want to play the game the right way and have fun doing it. And I can see that with them. There's a special bond within this White Sox clubhouse that we haven't seen in a long time and and they can make some noise. However, are they experienced enough to get themselves over the hump? Absolutely not. There's no way that this core group of guys is going to go out and 
be the favorite in a World Series matchup. But can they can they make it to the second, maybe, you know, to the second round and, and make some noise there? Yes, they can. They have to get themselves to there, and there's going to be a lot of luck involved in that. But I don't know. I, I really don't buy into the fact that we're going to see a 16-team playoff this year. Yeah, I, I, it's way too close. This is within when John Heyman sent that tweet out four forty three central time. It has to be done before first pitch twenty five hours from now. When he sent that out, we're closing in even further on that. It's one o five a.m. already at the time of this, Tony. Um, no fucking way that gets done. So I'm not going to get my hopes up for it. But if it does get done, if there is an update on that, put on tipsportsnet.com. We'll have the article for you there. Yes. All right, Tony. Time to move on to the fun stuff. Like I said, we almost have as much fun stuff as we do. Um, These will kind of move through a little bit quicker, though, because we're going heavy hitting, uh, finally having White Sox baseball talk about here. But anyway, um, fun stuff started tonight with a new pregame hype video that they showed uh, on the board tonight. James Fegan had tweeted a video of it. And uh, our guy, a friend of the show, Aloha Mr. Hand, had uh, quote tweeted and said, you know, it's finally time that they uh, got a video that focuses on all the current team and not the past. Um, And and I watched it, you know, it's kind of, you know, just quality off of a phone video um, taking of the big scoreboard. But um, from what I saw, it was pretty cool visual elements. Tony, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but uh, it is nice to see them shifting focus to um, this young team. Uh, first off, did not get a chance to see it. I see you have a link here in our rundown. I'm going to watch it as soon as this is, uh, this podcast is over. Uh, but there's been a lot of people calling for this. Uh, I think it was due time. However, I will say that the, uh, the old hype video before the one that they had right now, uh, you know, going through the past and, and you know exactly which video I'm talking about, uh, the one that people have been clamoring for them to bring back. I love that video. However, we are in a new era of White Sox baseball. And and hopefully, for all of our sake, and anybody who's listening to this show, this is the best era of White Sox baseball that we ever experienced in our lifetimes. We've undergone a rebuild. We've set ourselves up for the future pretty nicely, as long as we can execute on what we have. It's time to focus on the here and now. It's time to get the White Sox back into the playoffs as a perennial contender, win a World Series or two, have some fun with baseball on the south side. I'm all fine and dandy with the new hype video. And live in the moment, for sure. All right, um, on to the next one, though. A little bit of the past uh, sprinkled in. You can't go anywhere uh, in White Sox land without hearing this one. Thunderstruck intro return tonight as the boys took the field. That's cool and tough, Tony. That's all I have to say. We played in the garage a million times as we're uh, throwing darts, playing golden tee, watching the White Sox games, uh, watching highlights, whatever it may be. Um, Thunderstruck, yeah, keep that around. Cool and tough. Um, I can't even I wrote this in an article when I wrote my songs that give White Sox fans chills uh, right when quarantine started, you know, um, just trying to keep the good vibes rolling a little bit. And um, I had said, uh, you know, uh, about Thunderstruck, it's I, I can't remember any other song that they ever used last season. They used numerous ones, you know, they would save Thunderstruck for certain nights and I could always remember those. But I never remembered a single other song that they used. So. Um, I like that. If you want to have a touch of the past, 
you know, it's not the full Pirates intro into the Thunderstruck. We can always play that at the tailgate and whatnot. And my White Sox ballpark mix. But um, I like that they still take the field of Thunderstruck because, I mean, that, that's just associated. That's like hardwired in your brain with White Sox baseball. Cool and tough. Yeah. Don't ever change that. You can go new hype video and roll it into Thunderstruck to let the White Sox take the field. If you want to bridge the gap between uh, White Sox past and White Sox current, I feel like that's the song that can do it. Um, the, you know, we're it's talking all time. We're, ta- song, we're no talking about. What. Yeah, I was just I was just going to say that you're talking about top five songs that pump you up. If Thunderstruck's not in there, I don't know what the fuck you're listening to. Thunderstruck can get anybody pumped up. The fact that the White Sox have that as as one of their songs that they take the field to, ride that. Like, don't All don't right. change yeah. that. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and I just a thought came into my head, and it's excellent. Um, when we are finally all able to be back at the stadium safely, and hopefully they're using Thunderstruck still then, we'll have a section of on-tap guys playing the Thunderstruck drinking game as the White Sox take the field as soon as we possibly can. Yes, yes. absolutely. Right. So let's, let's move on. Cardboard cutouts are now placed in the stands. Um, thoughts on these. We had a couple of uh, celebrities show up here. AJ Pierzynski with the uh, bleach blonde hair. That was pretty cool to see. Tommy Hawk, our guy, uh, you know, not fighting people. Apparently he's uh, making friends in the scout seats, scout seats there. Uh, you got Benny the Bull uh, and then Frank Kaminsky, big White Sox fan from the area, NBA player. Uh, there's a guy who had a sign uh, within his sign that says, yo, beer man, and he's like kind of like shouting. He's got his hand over his mouth shouting. I feel like that would be us. Um, and then another guy bought 100 cardboard cutouts of himself. They're all behind the visitor's dugout, Paul Garrett. Um, Chuck Garfine had tweeted out that uh, video of him, but it's pretty hilarious to see. It's all the same picture 100 times right behind the visitor's dugout. So thoughts on seeing those, though, because that was the first time we really saw him on the broadcast, at least in uh, guaranteed rate field, Tony. So... I'm I'm kind of mixed on the whole cardboard cutout thing, Johnny, to be honest. Like, as, as a player, I don't understand how I would react to this. Um, the I, I saw the 100 cutouts of, of Paul Jarrett, and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, you really spent that kind of money to have your cardboard cutout displayed 100 times for one weekend basically um, didn't really make much sense. But if you've got that kind of money to donate to charity, I'm all for it. However, I might spend my money a little differently. I, I don't know, but um, I feel like there was a lot of celebrity cardboard cutouts in the stands. You're talking about former white Sox players. You're talking about, uh, you know, you saw the, the WGN news crew. There was a bunch mm-hmm. of this other stuff. And that kind of makes me feel like, you know, almost a little gypped because I, I think there's a lot of White Sox fans out there who would love to have a cardboard cutout of themselves out there on the field. And I feel like you could have done a whole lot more with these things than just give a bunch of, you know, local TV personalities, mascots, all that other stuff. Like, uh, that's what I saw most of. I would have liked a little bit more if the broadcast had focused in on you know the random fans and maybe put their twitter handle or what you know their name whatever it is up there um you know and i know it's really easy to go pick out aj Przinski behind the plate and be like oh here's aj's cardboard cutout but what about you know the the guy that that's been a white Sox fan for you know 50 years 
you know, like give that guy some credit for for doing what he did uh, over the celebrity there. I feel like there's there's just a little bit of like, I don't know, maybe in it, it was ingenuine to me. Um, yeah, uh, that, that's I, kind of how I got the feeling of it. I, I could definitely see um, how that is the case, Tony, um, with that. But at the same time, I also think that this is something that will be recurring. I don't think this is the last time that we'll see this initiative. And I think um, there will be other series homestands uh, in which they utilize these again and have another round for White Sox charities since, you know, they are missing. You're talking about um, how many games are played during a year. You got 81 home games. Well, you're only getting 30 now. And with the sack split, you know, I know they're doing stuff online for all 60 games home or away now, but at the same time, it's not the same as if you were raising it in the stadium I've, every I've 81 some, games. I've, so I feel funny, like this, it's funny. All I've got I, some thoughts on sock split. Okay. Well, I'm not going to hear them. So, uh, moving on next one, uh, white Sox Twitter hashtag is live with the emoji logo. Uh, it's changed the game. Um, and it shows up with the little socks logo after that. I kind of liked it last year when it was hashtag white socks, but a plus to the marketing team for, uh, really implementing this, uh, branding slogan, um, from the beginning, uh, it's basically kind of riding off of Tim Anderson. He said he wanted to change the game. Uh, whole team kind of adapted that. A uh, whole organization did. So um, if you use hashtag change the game on Twitter, you'll see a little socks emoji pop up next to that. So, um, Tony, to your question now. Um, sorry, we will field sock split stuff at a later time where you can air it out on Twitter. Uh, we got to get down to the nitty gritty here. What random thing do you miss from the ballpark? This is your question. Random thing I miss from the ballpark, Johnny, is when I'm entering the stadium, the little doo-doo-doot when they scan your ticket. Ooh, there you go. That's a good one. I like that. Um, let's see. I, I was going to say I miss the sock social lounge, but in the aspect of when it's a double header, and that's our go-to spot to meet up in the middle, chill out there for a little bit, Usually Pete Han and Wally Money are coming rolling through. Oh God, yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Where we did the uh, Tony Twista showed up last year, gave us the weather report. Um, in between games against the Astros, excellent, excellent. Yes, yes. Uh, I do I, miss. I do miss the Sox Social. The Sox Social Lounge in in that scenario because that's like you know Sox Social Lounge is a location. I know you said you wanted something you know random, not like a food item, not like a you know whatever a section or whatever. So yeah, that is a section, but that atmosphere in between double header games in the sock social lounge, that's what I miss. So Oof. man, you're making me miss the ballpark right now. Yeah, no, I, I am too, dude. I missed that scan too. The, the, the little beat, man. Isn't that right? Like that's, yeah, that's what set that's me off on this a, question. I, a, I was thinking today, I'm like a really good one. Some like, I, I forget where I was. I was at a store and I heard something very similar to it. And I was like, holy shit, I've heard that before. Where do, where have I heard that? That's when they scanned my phone to go into the ballpark. Do-do-do. And you're like, in. Yep. And then all of a sudden, it's like, your day is going to be great. Because you heard that noise. And you were just granted entrance into the ballpark. And you just brought up one, the Sox Social Lounge. Like, just what a great place to hang out in between a doubleheader, pregame, or if it's a rain delay. If you can get yourself lucky enough to get a pub table in the social lounge, you're golden. Like, you know, you're there, you're safe. You're under, you're underneath some, uh, a roof. That's going to keep you safe from the rain. Tony twist is going to give you a weather forecast. 
Are you going to see some baseball? Are you not going to see some baseball? I miss that too. Love it. All right. We'll entertain your sock split really quick though, because we have to get to our final notes before we lock this thing down. All right. So sock split, I bought sock split the other day uh, during the, the first Cub Sox game. Uh, my neighbor, Doug, you've met Doug. He mm-hmm. also bought some sock split tickets. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. This Jen, is, right. sorry. Yeah. Jen. Yes. So Jen also bought some sock split tickets. I did not get my sock split tickets for Sunday night's game until Monday, Monday afternoon at 4 PM after the drawing had already taken place. My neighbor also who spent $20 on sock split did not get his tickets either until 7 p.m. the day afterwards. Wow. I, I I really feel like I spent money on charity, and I'm, I'm 100% behind giving money to charity or donating into Sock Split. But if you're not going to get your tickets until middle of the game that's being played the next day for a drawing that's already happened, we need to get our shit together here. Yeah. And I, I, I just feel like, that's going to deter people from purchasing more sock split tickets. It'll, yeah, that goes bit. to a, a, a an honorable cause. We need to get to the point where we can deliver the tickets electronically to the people when they buy them. That's that's all I had to say on that. Yeah, I, I think you were there that night as well. Yeah. So I wanted to let you know I did get my tickets. However, it was the day after when I know I had already not won the sock split. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, definitely fair point. Uh, and that can deter, like you said, people from uh, trying to put money towards a decent cause and then, you know, playing, you know, just for the fun of it. Uh, yeah. It's like you were at the ballpark because our guy Andrew Kinzer loves doing that, too. Uh, buying some sock split tickets when you're, you know, in like the third inning there. And then it's always, you know, at the seventh, you're scrolling through them, seeing what numbers you got. Yeah. Uh, you kind of want that ballpark experience at home. Um, obviously, donating money. Uh, you want to get paid for in return or at least have the chance to win that um so yeah i agree they need to figure out a way to streamline that and do it uh in a more efficient manner um one last thing before our socks on tap notes close this thing down um on what random thing you missed from the ballpark i just thought about it um was the smell of the free t-shirts on thursdays Oof. yeah you wrote they're, an excellent article box. johnny yeah you wrote an excellent article. I before, broke down every single design. Before COVID-19 happened, you broke down all those shirts, and I know it was shared from the Socks on Tap account the other day. I went back and I read it again. I looked at all the designs. And, man, there's not one shirt that they would have released this year that I would not have wanted Yeah, as a Sox They're fan. All, all yeah. of those were awesome. The uh, the Southpaw one, though, dude, like I, I yeah. feel like I just want to wear that right now. Yeah, that, that so, was an excellent one. Yeah. Ra- random question for you: Which 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 shirt that we were releasing this year did you have your eye on the most? So the one that did not have. All right. So if you look at all of them, and it's all in this article, and this is kind of nitty gritty, but I'll go through it real quick. Anyway, the and every design you can kind of see. Sometimes there'll be a front and a back like section. They'll have two pictures for it, um, and then other times it will just be the front, and you know that's it. That's all there is to the design. The back is just plain the color of the shirt, whatever. Um, but one of them, and you could see the tag when it was just a front design, you could see the little tag up there on one of them. There's a really cool, it's kind of messy in a way back design, but there's no tag uh, on the front for the September 10th one. If you're following along on this article Mm -hmm. and 
there was it was just the back. Like I said, you couldn't see the tag up on the front. And this whole it had a bunch of hawkisms, the cool White Sox kind of uh, script font text that they used for the players jerseys weekend um, last year. Got a bunch of bats, angry baseballs, a bunch of steam flying everywhere on the back. But I would love to know what's on the front because if you had a chest design, and I had suggested using the 1932 to 1935 home logo. <laughs> this is all getting real nitty gritty here, but it was kind of like a cream colored white shirt. Um, I had this old mess design on the back, but if you just had that chest logo there, that's what I was really looking forward to, Tony, seeing what was actually on the front of that thing. So um, that one, and then the other one that was really clear, I do like the big league chew uh, design yes. too. That, that was pretty cool. Um, that, that's another good one, but I also do like the, like you had said, the Southpaw one, the 1917 logo T-shirt um, with the S that has the O and the X interlaid um, yes. in the openings of the S. And then that kind of uh, script font, but in more cursive um, that's established 1920. It's like kind of a different color pattern. Um, it's more of the 83 colors, I would say. Um, that one I was really looking forward to as well. But, um, you know, I, I wonder what they're going to do with those. If they're going to reuse those, get new ones for next year, whatever. Um, I would have liked to get my hands on a bunch of these. So that's it. I went down the rabbit hole there, but yeah, uh, let's well, let's just hope that we get those in 2021. I yeah, think that's yeah. the best outcome here. Yeah, I am with you there. All right, so uh, back to our show here for what to expect from Socks on Tap this year. Uh, this is one of our last bullet points here. Um, new new stuff this year. The weather report on every episode. Tony Twista will be covering most of these, if not. Buzz or myself will take over, will not be as entertaining, but Tony Twister will be on here as often as humanly possible. Are you, you looking gotta get that? that guy, you got to get that guy given the weather report. You just have to. I, I think it's it's fantastic. Guy loves Lot B, so on top of the weather. It's incredible. Like he, he delivered, you know, at like, what was it, like three o'clock this afternoon? He told everybody it was going to be crystal clear on the radar tonight and it was it was a great night for baseball so i'm excited for him to show up a lot more i am too um other than that you may have seen this on our social media feed on twitter but socks on tap rules we'll be bringing those into the fold actually on air here um i have the whole list written out i believe i store the only copy tony um but when a circumstance arises we will break out the socks and tap rules and let you know yes. which numbers they are. So see if you can track along with us uh, and keep yes. a list of the socks on tap rules. Um, all right. Um, in case you forgot, you know, that was new stuff that's going to be coming this year. In case you forgot though, we'll be rolling ours all year. I can't do it myself, but Tony and buzz do it so well for Luis. Robert. There you go. You get those from Tony and buzz all year. Um, we'll give you the next game preview uh, as we did last year, a little uh, rundown of the upcoming pitching matchup, um, what to expect, uh, kind of takeaways from this, the game that just happened, um, and how that affects the next day, uh, picks to click, baby, we're back with that. Um, seeing who can accumulate the most points on this thing. Hopefully we can do a better job, uh, keeping score on this, but, uh, at least between you, me, and Buzz, I think we'll be able to kind of keep that in line. Um, and then Sunday Fundays, don't forget, um, you know, we'll kind of run down uh, more general topics from the whole week. Obviously, we'll cover that Sunday's game uh, first and foremost, but then uh, we may get some guests on. We may get some, um, you know, a little more fun stuff topics uh, in on Sunday Fundays. Um, 
you know, condensed season, a lot of games going on. May have some more appearances from our guy NWI Steve, who contributes over at ONTAP Sportsnet, and Akins. You've heard both of those guys on here last year. But depending on the schedule, we're going to have a lot of sports going on at once. Um, those guys may be filling in. You may be hearing them breaking games down on here. And then another thing, we started this towards the end of last season um, and definitely through the winter, but uh, Sox on tap shout-outs, which we were about to get to here to close down the show, um, how we do all the time. Make sure you're listening. If you post a good tweet, gets a lot of engagement, we see it, we like it, we respond to you, whatever, you may get the shout-out that night. So tune into the show, listen to us break down the game, get to the end, shout-outs, you may be included in that. So that's it. Uh, Tony, that being said, you have a shout-out for tonight. I don't, but I do have a meatball take, Johnny. Oh, yeah, meatball take and tinfoil hat time. Those are also staples of the show. Uh, we don't have a tinfoil time, but uh, Tony said he has a meatball take, and I will give a shout-out to close us out. So I'll give the shout-out and meatball take to the same person, and that's Beefloaf at From the 108. Uh, wrote an article on July 17th, maybe it's time to trade Michael Kopech. And while I do agree that it might be time to trade Michael Kopech, in his article, he listed some trade possibilities. And in those trade possibilities, the first one that was listed was Kopech to the Marlins for Brian Anderson. Johnny, how do you feel about Michael Kopech for Brian Anderson? I don't. The thing is, I don't want to give up on Kopech yet because I think there's a lot in the tank. <clears throat> so he listed three possibilities. Michael Kopech for Brian Anderson, Michael Kopech for John Gray, and Michael Kopech for Joey Gallo. John Gray sounds better to me. John Gray is probably your number one out of all these three. But meatball take that you think Michael Kopech should be traded for any of these guys, you've got a potential starter. And yes, Johnny, you and I have have roasted Michael Kopech to his core for the fact that he is still not pitching after his Tommy John surgery. However, I am not ready myself to give up Michael Kopech for any of these three guys that are listed. Maybe John Gray, but... I'm really not ready at this point as a White Sox fan to give up Michael Kopech for any of these guys just based on the fact that I feel like Michael Kopech, if he can put it together, is better than any of these guys that are listed here. And I feel like if you if you go and give up Michael Kopech for Joey Gallo right field, you're looking at a, 200, a 220 hitter, maybe 20 home runs, 25 home runs, the, the, the same amount of home runs you're getting out of Nomar Mazzara right now right like that that's where i'm at with this um i do agree somewhat with the sentiment that michael kopech may not be the guy that the white Sox actually expect him to be and at this point you're trying to sell on value that uh you know like you're talking about a top prospect who's been a top prospect for five years now um but i still think it's a kind of meatballish take to say it's time to give up on him now because I think Michael Kopech at, at, at peak could be your number one, number two guy. So I'm going to meatball take that one. Do you have any meatball takes? With nope, that? No, no meatball takes. Um, I, 
can close down with the shout out here before we get to our schedule. Uh, my shout out is to Drew Boggs, producer um, for WANE 15 News in Indiana, um, did a story on Lori Moreland, the White Sox organist. Uh, it was a cool story. He shared that with me, asked if I could uh, share it with my White Sox following, and I did. Um, I, I love the organ at the ballpark, Tony. Um, uh-huh. Lori, you know, always loved Nancy Faust as a kid. I met Nancy Faust as a kid growing up, got to actually go up in the organ room um, up at, uh, went back when it was uh, U.S. Cellular Field. Um, and I think Lori Moreland has done a good job taking over as well. So uh, it was cool to see. And the ballpark wouldn't sound the same without Lori Moreland. So um, shout out to, I guess, both Drew Boggs for sharing that with me and then Lori Moreland for keeping the good vibes rolling at uh, 35th and Shield. So um, that's it for shout outs. Very last bit here. Upcoming schedule, the real deal. Friday, July 24th, 7, 10 p.m. White Sox opening day against the Twins. Yeah, Saturday, July 25th. 1.10 p.m. start at home against the Twins. July 26th, Sunday, 1.10 p.m. start again against the Twins. And then they are off to Cleveland for a three-game series beginning on Monday the 27th through Wednesday the 29th. I am so ready for baseball to be back, Tony. This episode ran so much longer than we had possibly anticipated, but we got a lot of good discussion in, both nitty-gritty on the team and a bunch of the fun shit that all of our listeners love to hear. Give me, before we close it down, Johnny, quick prediction, three-game side against the Twins. Record. What do you got? Two and one. Two and one. I'm going two and one myself. I love it. Start the season with the winning record for the White Sox. I can't wait. We're going to have some tailgating, some fun going on on Friday. It's going to be a great time, Johnny. I hope you're as excited as I am. I am as excited as you are, Tony. It's going to be a great, grand, wonderful, fantastic, awesome, all those adjectives type of party on Friday for opening day. We're going to have a nice-sized crew together of on-tap Sportsnet guys um, all taken in. Favorite team, watching White Sox baseball. I can't wait. Uh, It's been way too long. As the White Sox ballpark mix opening would say, it's been such a long time, and it has. So, uh, everybody, one last thing. Please, if you enjoy this podcast, go uh, subscribe, rate, review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, give us a five-star rating. That helps us immensely. We'd greatly appreciate it. And then make sure you follow us on social media at Socks on Tap. I am at Nani Johnny. Tony is at Tony on Tap. And our main account at OnTap Sportsnet. So you can get all breaking news, analysis, uh, coverage, opinion, all that good stuff um, on TapSportsnet.com where you need to go with all your Chicago sports, literature, and podcasting needs, as far as we say. So, Tony, last thought. Close it down. White Sox forever. White Sox forever.